Good morning. Hey, I want to start us out in prayer, start us out right. So if you'll join with me, just bowing your heads and closing your eyes. Father, we thank you for a new year, for a new opportunity to look at our lives and have a fresh start. We thank you for all you've already done in this past year, and, and, we, and we, we're grateful for what you're going to do. Please speak to us this morning through your word. And Lord, if today we hear your voice, do not let us harden our hearts. So now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Happy New Year. It's a new year, the, the, the old is gone, the new is here, the kids are about to go back to school, can I get an amen for that? I don't know if your kids are like mine, but when they're in the house all the time together, they just fight constantly, and they need to be in school away from each other. So I'm happy about this because you know, we, we raise our kids to be of godly character and to have some you know, loving relationships with each other, and they're not doing that right now. So they need a little bit of time apart for their own uh, spiritual growth. So a lot of you probably uh, come up with some sort of a New Year's resolution. Maybe it's uh, physical, like you want to lose weight, get back in shape, or train for a marathon. Or maybe it's educational, you want to finish your degree, you want to read more books. Maybe you just want to stay off of Facebook. Good luck with that. It's a trap. Maybe it's spiritual. You want to get into the habit of being in church every Sunday. Uh, you want to read the Bible more, do a Bible in a year plan. Maybe you just want to get better at praying with uh, your family. Whatever the case may be, there's, a, there's one point to all of that. It's to change something. Yourself or your circumstances. You're changing something from what it was last year to what it is this year. But a lot of times our New Year's resolutions fail. How many of you have ever had a New Year's resolution fail? All right, now how many of you have already failed at this year's New Year's resolution? <laughs> That's a lot of you. I'm disappointed. Really very disappointed. In, no. Uh, so I have two. I have two. I'm right there with you. So the thing is, the reason why we fail is because we're trying to change something about ourselves. And it's really only God that can bring about transformation. So we're going to start this new series talking about what God does to transform us. And it's going to, it's going to center around or start off, kick off from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Today I'm going to talk from Romans 12, 1, which I believe is sort of a setup for 12, 2. Because the reason why we fail is because we haven't prepared to succeed. We can't be transformed if we haven't prepared to be transformed. So a lot of us fail, and we don't even realize that's why we fail. We don't realize the reason why we can't succeed at our New Year's resolutions is because we weren't ready for them. Maybe we prayed that God would make a change in our lives, and then we work against them. You know, Lord, please help me to lose a bunch of weight, and then we change nothing about the way we eat or exercise. It's not magically going to come up. Or maybe we say, uh, Lord, help me to... Uh, you know, whatever, do this or that. And then we don't prepare ourselves. And so we don't succeed at those resolutions. And not just resolutions, but other goals in life or other things that we try to do. And a lot of that happens in the, in the spiritual world too. When we're trying to change something about ourselves when we should be going to God. So what I mainly want you to get, if you get nothing else from what I say today, is Jesus is better. Say that out loud with me. Jesus is better. 
He's better than whatever it is you're holding on to right now that's keeping you from submitting yourself to Him. He's better than whatever you're chasing after, whatever ambition you have. He's better than addictions that you have, that have a hold on you. He's better than even your own plans that you have for yourself. So let me go to Romans 12, 1 through 2 and read it. I'm going to read from the ESV translation, but uh, read along with me whatever your uh, translation is. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be transformed, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we can take from this passage that our worship of God entails us offering our entire selves, our entire lives, dedicating our entire beings to living for God in His glory. God doesn't say, give me all that you have. He says, give me all that you are. He doesn't, he doesn't just want our stuff. He doesn't want us to give our money. He doesn't want that. He wants us to give ourselves. The reason why we tithe and we give our time and our talents and our treasures and those things is not because God needs it. It's because God wants us to give ourselves. So, I want us to look briefly at a word that appears in Romans 12.1 that's very important. It's a pivotal word for the whole rest of Romans 12. And it's the word therefore. Because Paul's building up to something, and when he gets to the point when he says therefore, he's connecting two ideas. So he spent an entire 11 chapters of this letter that he wrote proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. Before he gets to the part about here's what I want you to do. We as humans are really good with coming up with to-do lists or taking something that's not meant to be a to-do list and making it into one. So we look at Romans 12, which is a, a, a really good description of how a Christian lives a transformed life. How we live with each other, how we, um, our relationship with God should go. All of those things are in Romans 12. But if we just make them a to-do list of things that we try to achieve, we miss the point. And, and Paul knew we would miss the point. He knew the people he was writing to would miss the point and make it another to-do list. So he took a lot of time going through 11 whole chapters of what God has already done before saying, therefore, now here's what I want you to do. So we need to feel the weight of that. We need to take a look at Romans chapter 1 through 11 before we get to the what do I need to do part. We need to look back on what God has already done in Jesus Christ. So Romans has been called by some people the gateway of the Bible. I think of it as a gateway to the gospel, or I call it the gospel tied up in a bow, because it's just such a clear presentation of what Jesus already did. And so it's what we are responding to when we do anything for God, is what he's already done. And I don't want to take the time to read all of Romans 1 through 11 right now, because that could nobody wants to, to hear me up here reading all of that. But if you look back through all of Romans up to this point, as it unfolds, you see God's wrath, which is very real. You see our sin, which is very real. And you see uh, the punishment we deserve for our sin. You see his way out for us that he provided in Jesus all throughout Romans. You see our adoption into his family as a response to us uh, putting our faith in him, putting our faith in Christ and all that he's done. And you see the fact that 
nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that he poured out in Jesus. It's from Romans that we get this idea that nothing we could ever do could make God love us more because he loves us in Jesus. Nothing we could try to do for him is going to make him like us more. He loves us as we are. But nothing could ever make God love us less because he loves us in Jesus. We're not going to disappoint him if we fail because he loves us, not because of our works, but because of Jesus. We get that idea from Romans, and then Paul says, now therefore, I want you to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So if we look back at the very last verse, prior to Romans 12:1, Paul sort of does, he does something there right before he says the therefore. He says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So Paul's saying, after presenting that whole gospel, he's, he's wrapping that up by saying, everything is for Jesus, and about Jesus, and because of Jesus. Jesus is the reason for every season. Jesus is it. He is the thing of things. Jesus is better than anything else. No matter what it is you put in that, uh, at the end of that, Jesus is better than. It doesn't matter what's in that blank. Jesus is better so he says, after all that, he's saying, this is what I want you to do. So the preparation part comes as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's an action word, present. You might want to highlight it in your Bible. The thing is, in chapter 2, I'm sorry, in verse 2, when it says, be transformed, that's passive. We're not the ones doing the transforming in ourselves. God's doing the transforming. That's why we fail at things like New Year's resolutions. We're trying to do the transforming of ourselves when we're supposed to be transformed by God. So you say, well, he can't do that unless I do something, so what am I supposed to do? Present yourself to him. Submit yourself to him. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But notice here, it doesn't say specific things like present this or that. It says present your entire selves. He wants all of us. A lot of people, I think especially men, but maybe I'm generalizing here, like to compartmentalize life like we have work life. Then when we go home, we have home life. We have a spiritual life. We have whatever. We compartmentalize. And we do that within our spiritual lives as well. So we'll say, yeah, I'll take all this to God. I'll go to church on Sunday and I'll work for him and I'll give my money or I'll go on missions or I'll do this but those thoughts that I have I'm holding on to those I'm not going to give that over well then you haven't given anything if you haven't given it all it's all or nothing is what he's saying here the entire body as a living sacrifice but the other thing we need to notice here is that it's a living sacrifice so I, I I think that sounds kind of contradictory, right? Sacrifice is something that's been sacrificed. And we think of that as dead. We think death. So how can it be living and dead? I can just imagine Paul's audience as they're reading this. Coming from the background they came from, where they had a sacrificial system, where they had an altar and they put an animal on it, and they, they killed it so that they could uh, appease God for their sins, so that they could be uh, atoned for their sins. Even the pagans had a sacrificial system that involved death. Anybody hearing this would have been like, what does he mean living sacrifice? 
So there's two things that a living sacrifice really is. Number one, it's spiritual. Because before we come to Christ, we're dead in our sin. We're, we're just the walking dead. We're walking around with no life in us, no real life. And then God makes us alive in Christ. So in order for anything to be uh, a true living anything, it has to be in Christ. And it's also ongoing. Living is ongoing. We're living this out as we live our lives. We're not just making a one-time sacrifice and saying, okay, God, I brought it all before you, now I'm done. There are some sacrifices we have to make daily. For some people, it has to do with money or possessions. I, I don't know what, what your thing is, but I've been blessed with the spiritual gift of sarcasm. I've got quick responses to anybody, but sometimes my words are hurtful, even though I didn't mean them to be. But I can say things that hurt people's feelings, and I didn't want to hurt those people. So I have to daily say, Lord, shut my mouth if it needs to be shut. Don't let me say anything that's going to hurt somebody. Only let me speak life. Because that's what he wants from us. We see that all throughout the Bible. Is speak words of life, encouragement, things that lift people up, not tear people down. So if I say, uh, Lord, I give over my, my, my words to you, my mouth to you. I'm not saying, give me a script of things to say. I'm not saying, Lord, give me every word I'm supposed to say like I don't have any uh, free will of my own to say whatever, whatever comes to mind. But uh, I am giving up some some of my so-called right to say whatever I want. But we live in America, right? We have the right to freedom of speech, so we go, no, I can say whatever I want. I've got that right. It's right there in the, uh, in the First Amendment. I can just say whatever I want. Well, the thing is, the thing about following Jesus is sometimes we lay down our rights. We say, yes, I have the right to say whatever I want, but I'm going to submit that before Jesus, and I'm going to say, I'm giving up the fact that I might want to say that. I want what you want more than what I want. And when we do that, he doesn't give us a script, but he empowers us to speak words of life. That's my thing. That's the words. That's my mouth. But there's some other parts of the body that need to be submitted to God. The mind. You know, the mouth, like I said. Uh, our ministry, the work of our hands. Sometimes we're doing things that are for our own ambition, or, uh, we're, or we're doing sinful things. We're trying to live this Christian life, but then we're doing some things that we're holding on to that are, that are um, not living up to God's standards. It could be as simple as not sharing something. With your hands, you hold on to things as much as you can give things. So sometimes that's as simple as that. We're holding on to something, and if we submit our hands, God gives us that ministry. He helps us to, to um, let go. Or maybe it's our moves. What Jesus wants is better than what we want. So whatever your plans are for your life, or whatever your mood is telling you need, you need to do, it's not as good as what he has. Or maybe it's your motives. Your heart. You know, it's all connected back to the heart. Out of that heart, the mouth speaks. Wrong thinking and wrong attitudes and wrong actions all come from the heart that isn't right. So we have to submit our heart also to God and say, I want what you want more than what I want. And when we do that, when we submit our heart, we submit our motives to God, He gives us the desires of our heart. And in my own life, I found that I was untransformed for a long time. 
I know there's a lot of people you, uh, here in this room, you've experienced, you've tasted and seen this transformed life. You know what it's like on the other side. You know that Jesus is better. But if you're on the other side of that, maybe you're asking why. I've been in church for years and I've heard these sermons and I know the truth and I believe it. But I'm not any different than I ever was. I'm not transformed. So maybe you're asking why that is. For me, I was hearing it all and believing it, but I wasn't prepared to be transformed. I wasn't submitting myself. I wasn't giving myself to him to transform me. So we have to go through that. If you think of an ugly caterpillar, that is just, nobody really thinks a caterpillar is pretty. And if you do, I'm sorry I offended you. But caterpillars are pretty ugly. But they go through a messy process of metamorphosis to be transformed into beautiful butterflies. The process is kind of messy. And maybe it even looks scary. I don't want to go in that cocoon. It's dark and it's gooey. And I don't want to go through all that. And then what, what, what if I don't make it out? Uh, what if I get trapped in that cocoon? But they come out on the other side better. So we sometimes hold back on things as far as submitting to God because we, we may think it's scary. Sometimes it's not our thoughts and our mouth or all that. Maybe it's just our obedience. Maybe we're just holding something back. God's calling you to do something and you're saying, I don't know if I can take that step. That's kind of scary. I've had a couple people tell me that lately with things like tithing. I heard it all and I believed it, but I couldn't bring myself to do it because it's just a scary step. What if it doesn't work out? You know, as I said, in my life, I was living untransformed for years. I was sitting out there. I was just hearing it and knowing it in my head, but I wasn't prepared. I wasn't giving myself to God to let him transform me. And then I did. I basically said, God, this isn't working. I'm just living the same life. It's not anything. It's not doing anything for me. And I, and, and I basically said, maybe not in these words, but I said, I don't want this. I want you. You're better. I want to trade it. There's a story Jesus tells in the Bible. It's a parable. There's a guy that has a lot of things, but he finds out that there's this treasure buried in a field. And he knows that it's probably worth more than what he's already got. So he doesn't tell anybody about it, and he buries the treasure again. He goes out and he sells everything. He gives everything up. And then he comes back and he buys that field. Everybody thought he was crazy because it's just a field, but he knew the treasure was there. So he goes and digs the treasure back up. Turns out made him a rich man beyond what he already had. And Jesus told that parable to make the point that he's better than anything we give up. And what I found for myself, all those scary things, you know, we go, well, if I, if I follow Jesus and I submit myself to him, I give myself to him, I'm going to have to give up this. I'm not going to give up that. I won't be able to do this anymore. But what I found when I crossed that line, I was on the other side of it. I didn't want those things anymore. So it may seem unfair that he's asking us to give everything up, or it may seem unreasonable, but he gives you the desires of your heart on the other side of that. And you don't want those things anymore. You want him. And so it doesn't seem so unreasonable on the other side of it. And I can attest to the fact that on the other side of that, Jesus is better. And I know some of you can too. I know many of you can You've made that step and you said, I want what you want more than what I want. And after you've been through that, you said, you know, none of that stuff was worth it. I gave it all up and it's fine. I don't miss it because now I've got him and he's better. He's greater. And so as we, uh, as we submit our whole bodies as a living sacrifice, it prepares us. It's, 
not necessarily about the actions we're giving up or, or living a better life. It's not us trying to make an effort to do better works or to live a better life. It's about being open to God doing what He wants to do in us. That's what transformation really brings about, is, is Him bringing that about. And it's better. It's just better than anything that we thought we had planned out. So while we may think that, you know, if this doesn't happen, I'm just going to be miserable. Sometimes what God has is better than what it is that, that we're uh, holding on to and letting go of. But we do weird things. People, we do weird things when we're holding on to something. We act really strange outside of our character. We, we maybe even do things that we didn't think that we would ever do when there's something. Someone asks us to give something up. And we, we get crazy on them. Like, you know, that's, that's unreasonable. And maybe it's even something we never thought we would do that for. Maybe we didn't think that that thing we're holding on to was ever something that we would be so um, tightly holding on to. Maybe it's an addiction. Whatever it is, it's gotten a hold of us. And we said, no, that's what I want. But presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice... If you look back in uh, Romans 12.1, is acceptable to God because it's our act of spiritual worship. And the only reason it's acceptable to God is because we can't bring Him anything on our own. We have nothing to give Him. But when we bring Him ourselves through Jesus, it's acceptable to Him. And it says it's acceptable and good and perfect. It's our act of spiritual worship. It's all we can do. God is ourselves. Our entire selves. And it's all he wants. He doesn't want our things. He wants us. And when we do that, we're prepared then. Dr. Moore, Dr. Whalen Moore last week said, the Holy Spirit won't fill you if you're already filled with something else. And that's this idea here. Once you have emptied yourself of your own desires and your wants, you're ready to be transformed. But if you're holding on to what you already are, how can you possibly be changed? That's the idea behind this. So let me sum it up. Getting towards the end. So to sum it up, God did an amazing thing for us by sending Jesus. He not only redeemed us and saved us from eternity in hell, which is a huge deal. He forgave us. He adopted us into his family. Don't miss that point. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God. If you are not in Christ, you're apart from him, and you've not been adopted into his family, and you're not entitled to an inheritance. So when you have done that, and he's adopted you into his family... What a huge deal it is to be called children of God. And because of that adoption, we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to him, but he belongs to us as a result of that. So our response to the fact that we're his and he's ours is to present ourselves, is to give ourselves in sacrifice. So our response to his mercy and grace is to give him the one thing he wants, ourselves, not our stuff, not our time, our talents, and treasures per se, but all of it. God wants us to be more satisfied with him than anything else. John Piper, a famous uh, pastor who uh, uh, speaks a lot around the country, is well known for saying God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. And when we are satisfied deeply in Christ and we want nothing more than we want Him, it brings Him glory, and that's why it's an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Anything short of that, not so pleasing. 
Submitting ourselves pleases him because that transformation is what he wants in us. We can never accomplish it on our own. So I want to ask you out there right now, if you're ready to, to, to walk into that, to take that step, to be prepared, to present your body as a living sacrifice, to be transformed, to, to prepare for that transformation. And we'll hear more as we go into the, the study and the sermon series on being transformed, but right now, leading up to that, Maybe you don't even know that there's something you're holding on to. Maybe you don't know what it is you need to let go of, but there's something there. If you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I'm untransformed even though I've believed all this stuff all my life, take some time to actually think about what it is you may be holding on to that's holding you back from giving yourself fully to Him. So if you're ready to do that, I want you to raise your hand with me because I'm, I'm here to do it with you. I want us to do this together. If you're, real, if you're willing to step out Present your body as a living sacrifice to God so that you can be transformed. I want to be there with you to do it. The church is not like a family. The church is a family. This is our support system. This is our family. We're here for each other, brothers and sisters. As we go through the transformation, it may be sometimes a struggle. It may sometimes be ugly. It may sometimes hurt. But we're here for each other. And that's important. And if we take this step together, 2015 could be our best year yet. And I'm, and I'm hopeful and I'm excited that it will be. So maybe you're hearing all this and you don't even know if you have the forgiveness part, let alone the transformation part. So if that's you, it's okay. The time is now for you to take that step. It's not too late. You can take that step right now and cross that, that line into faith in Jesus. And you can put your trust in him to forgive you. You can, you can be there too, along with the rest of the family here. So if you're there and you're ready to take that step, you say, I want to be forgiven. I want to be adopted into God's family. I want to be uh, in a right relationship with God. Then I'm going to pray a prayer. We're all going to bow our heads and close our eyes. You don't have to pray this prayer exactly as I pray. The important part is not the words I say and you repeating them. The important part is what you're communicating to God from your heart. So I'm going to pray that with our heads bowed and eyes closed. If you want to do that and you want that relationship with God, pray something like that. Make it your own prayer. God, I admit my sin to you. And I know that the only way I can be made right with you is through your son, Jesus Christ. Not by anything I can do on my own. Lord, I accept and I thank you for the free gift you've offered in forgiveness through Jesus. Thank you for having mercy on me. Please come live inside me and set me free. In Jesus' name.